Shade at Black Girls Texting. I know y'all see my text. You better answer me back. I'm Chels Pinky, also known as the washing machine queen. I'm classically trained. Me, 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 me. It's Glenn at That's My Brat. Wow, you did us. Goodbye. Welcome, welcome to Black Girls Texting. Tea is steadily spilled in our group chat, and each week we let you in on it. I'm Chels Pinky, also known as the Washing Machine Queen. I'm Shade at Black Girls Texting, and unfortunately, Glenn at Bedside Brat could not make it to join us today. She had a little work issue, but luckily enough, we have double the fun as we're welcomed by twin sisters Antoinette Clark and Trissa Clark Stone, who are the authors of Double Down, Bet on Yourself and Succeed on Your Terms. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for Thank having you so much us, guys. For having us. Yes. Of course. We're so excited. Also, I've always wanted to be a twin, so I love talking to twins. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. That's so cute, Chelsea. You've always wanted to be a twin. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you said it's the best. Why do you think it's the best to be because a twin? Because you have a built-in, someone that's always going to have your back, but then also call you out on your shit. So you yeah. have like pure kind of compassion and connection, but then someone that will hold your feet to the fire. Yeah. And how that. our relationship is, Trisha wants more for me than sometimes I even want for myself. So that even pushes Aww. us to elevate ourselves even more. And we're obviously each other's best friends. We work together. We party together. We do so many things together. And I don't think there's any other relationship in this world that's quite like ours. And so not dope. just ours, but obviously the, the whole twinship. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. so beautiful. Does it ever feel like too much? Like, okay, girl, get away from me. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> well, we were writing the book. What do you mean? Earlier today? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were today um, started, kicked off. Well, yesterday kicked off our press tour for the book, um, which comes out on Tuesday, but we started a bit early. So today we did CTM, CBS This Morning, and then we had a... Um, we had a bunch of other stuff, so we were basically together all day. Yeah. And usually we're both at our respective jobs, and then we'll chat or text um, and see each other maybe for an event or dinner at night, but today we were together... All, yesterday and today, it was like 24-7. So at one point, Trisha, uh, Trisha threatened to leave. She's like, I'm leaving. You're annoying the shit out of me. I'm like, you can't leave. We have something else to do. <laughs> That's hilarious. So we yeah, it happens all the time. from you guys. <laughs> Before we jump into um, talking about your book, I would just love if you guys could give the listeners a little bit of background on like your careers and more on yourselves because you ladies have had some like amazing amazing accolades i was reading up on you like oh wow (laughs) thank (laughs) Thank you. you um i can go first this is antoinette um from when i was a young child i knew i wanted to be on tv um we're we were born and raised in brooklyn so we grew up watching the local nbc news here in new york and sue simmons was an anchor And she was the first time I saw someone who looked like me on TV. She was a black, beautiful woman who was articulate and um, I thought was glamorous and also super smart. So from that point on, I knew I wanted to be in television. I didn't know exactly if I wanted to be on camera or behind the scenes. So I did an internship my sophomore year in college 
And guess where that internship was? At the NBC local newsroom. So I got wow. to work directly with Sue Simmons. So it was a full circle moment for me. And it also helped make it very clear to me what I wanted to do. And I loved Sue Simmons and that she was an honor anchor. And there was representation of beautiful black women who were smart and who were killing it. But I realized then I wanted to be a producer. I love the idea of storytelling and putting stories together. So that's when I decided that was going to be my path. So when I graduated from college, my first job out of school was at the Montreal Williams show. So I'm definitely aging myself here right now too. Um, do you guys even know who Monta Williams is? Yes, yes. we do. Okay, okay. Just checking, just checking. Internet, why are you trying to play them? <laughs> so I started as a production assistant at the Monta Williams show and basically worked my way up. I loved everything about television. I loved the stories, the process. And most importantly, I realized daytime was the space I wanted to be in because it's the day part on TV that essentially caters to women. It's the biggest demo of women. So I was able to truly give women the tips and tools they needed to elevate their lives in all different ways. I also, as I raised in the ranks and be, finally became a producer, I had the power to put more women on television and more women who looked like me on television. Yeah, so there amazing. could be full circle moments like what I had with Sue Simmons. So that's been a goal of ours since we were obviously younger. So after... The Montreal Williams Show, I went on to do a ton of TV producing. So I produced for The Rachel Ray Show, The Tyra Banks Show, and um, The Nate Berkus Show. Oh my goodness, The Tyra Show was my jam. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Well, I, I always say out of all of my jobs, that was probably my favorite to date. Not only because Tyra was an amazing host, an amazing person, an amazing boss lady to learn from and be around, but also it pushed me to use muscles I've never used before in terms of creativity. Mm. So Tyra was very focused on, she wanted to reinvent how storytelling was told in daytime. And she didn't want just talking heads sitting there, sitting on a couch. She wanted to elevate it. She wanted to raise the production value. Um, so I was able to do so many creative things in television that I never thought I could ever do. And it also gave me my two Emmys which when Ooh. I, yeah, so that That's was amazing. I keep, I keep asking uh, Antoinette to give me one. I, she has two. I, I haven't let go of both of them yet. Not yet. Um, <laughs> so at that point, it was such a moment of clarity to me that if you really focus on your goals and what you really want in life, it can come true. Because I remember coming out of college and starting at the Mountain Williams show and literally writing down on a piece of paper that I wanted to be a producer and I wanted to win an Emmy by the time I was 35. I was able not only to win wow. um, the Emmy, I was able to win two and by the time I was 33. So wow. having that list and keeping me on track and holding myself accountable was, uh, you know, uh, I think a big part of how I was able to continue on that journey. And then I went on to produce for the Nate Berkus show, um, who started on the Oprah Winfrey show as his, um, as her designer. Mm -hmm. And that was an amazing experience in itself because it was totally out of the, um, wheelhouse of what I was used to doing. It was very high production. It was about home design and really going through life through that lens. Um, and then after that, um, you know, we just talked about the great 
feeling you have when you have a twin, there are also other feelings that come with it. So I had someone who was parallel in my life to where I was. So I was looking at Trisha at that point and I said, she's married, she has a, she owns her apartment, she's making all this money and killing it. And I had my career and that was it. Mm. And my two Emmys. So I just felt like I, my life wasn't balanced enough at that time. So I made a conscious effort that I wanted to try to pivot and shift careers. And also I wanted to challenge myself more. So I decided to take a leap at 35 and completely switch, um, which was scary, which was nerve wracking, but also empowering. And at that point, I had to dig deep into myself to figure out what my superpowers were and try to identify a white space where I felt like I could transfer my producing skill set and build on a whole new one. So that's when I segued into the branded entertainment space. And I ended up working for MSLO, Martha Stewart's company, where I ran her branded integrations. Um, That was a great experience to work for an amazing boss lady who is iconic and really, she was a pioneer in creating the lifestyle space. She set yeah. up, she set the stage for all these bloggers and you know, this was way before social media. Mm-hmm. So that was a great experience. And then I decided I wanted to shift more back to TV at Martha Stewart. They were very focused on all of her properties, which were great. So that was digital, print and also television but my true passion always lied in daytime and in tv so when i found out that cbs had a position open um to run their branded entertainment department i decided to go out for that and i ended up getting that job and i've been there now for eight years almost eight years and now i'm svp of branded um entertainment there and it's just been great my entire journey it was scary i've had highs i've had lows i've had to overcome a ton of different obstacles but i would not have trade i wouldn't trade any of it for the world so guys now it's trisha i'll be shorter I'm Trisha. <laughs> Everyone Trisha. says I can be a little long-winded, but I am the older twins I'm and five sense. minutes older, so I always say maybe I can speak five minutes longer. No, that was literally perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So <laughs> okay, guys. Um, so this is Trisha, and I just to give you a quick snapshot of my career journey, I started my career at Hot 97 and KISS FM and CD 101.9, so in radio, and working for the top hip hop station, basically, at the time. Uh, And it was in sales and marketing. So essentially, my job was to sell airtime. And on day one, they gave me a desk, a cubicle, a phone book, and I had to start cold calling to figure out what brands and clients and companies I could get on the air to basically buy commercial airtime from me. So quickly, I amassed a big book of business where I was able to generate about a million dollars in new business. And I felt as though I was killing it, but I really, I don't think my managers were really looking at me in terms of, okay, now we're going to step things up for Trisha and give her the opportunity to work with bigger brands or, um, or bigger agencies. And when I went and asked them for those opportunities, they kept saying to me, you just graduated college. You've only been here for about a year and a half. You have to pay your dues. Like things don't happen overnight. 
you the, you know you do this for two or three years then we'll give you you know um, a promotion and then you'll be in that role for two or three years and I was thinking to myself there has to be another way like why am I following a roadmap that someone else has laid out when I feel like I'm bringing a lot of value so that's when I looked around and said okay I'm the youngest person here everyone else was probably uh, in their mid 30s uh, to, to 40s and the one thing they didn't have they didn't have digital acumen they didn't know mm. a lot about the digital space and this was in uh Trisha, don't age yourself too much i was gonna it. say i was gonna say, you're a millennial right <laughs> no because you know everything what? you're saying <laughs> sounds like such a millennial yeah. so 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 i have a Which millennial, I love, I have a millennial mindset <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I'm not a, we're on the cusp make our own way right yes, we're, on, we're on the cusp um so essentially i was like these people know nothing about digital and back then it was called interactive and so i <laughs> basically see now i dated myself <laughs> exactly so so i started looking um at opportunities at dot coms and excite was one of the top portals at the time so it was aol msn and excite and I took a job there. So I left um, MS Communications after being there for about two years. And I remember when I left, the general manager of MS Communications New York basically said, I cannot believe you're, you're giving up because we didn't give you what you wanted. And I was like, I'm not giving up. I'm leading and kind of charging my nice. path. Mm -hmm. So I felt as though she thought, um, I, w I thought they owed me something. And I was like, it's the opposite. I think I've done a great job, so I at least deserve to help kind of carve out my own path. So I left, I went to go uh, work at Excite, and I learned a ton about the digital space. Within six months of me being at Excite, the folks at MS called me and said, hey, we know you left to do this interactive thing, we think we need to start looking into this space as be, you know as the media company that we are would you come back and help us launch our interactive our digital division and i'm like that would be amazing if i could really craft and build something from scratch mm -hmm. but in the back of my head i thought to myself it's only been six months do i know enough have i really amassed enough information and learned Mm. learned enough to be able to go back and teach these experienced kind of media experts how to really get into the new media space. And I doubled down and thought I, you know, I was like, what, what do I have to lose? This still is the wild, wild west. People were still trying to figure it out. So I could fake it till I make it and kind of figure it out as I go along. So I took the mm. learnings that I amassed when I was at Excite and went back to Emmis and help build their digital division and turned it into about a $20 million business Whoa. over the course of about six years. That's amazing. And thank you. And if you think about it back then, radio station websites, those were always given away as added value. There was really not a big monetization component to it. And we really cracked the code and built a huge division and then um, MS spun us off into our own company. And it was at that time where it was like every two years, if I had a good idea and a business plan and a P&L that matched, 
they would kind of let me rock and continue to build the business and grow it. And I had an amazing boss and mentor that gave me the runway to really play and innovate. And um, that's when Russell Simmons uh, approached me. And Russell had um, a digital media Casual. company <laughs> called Global Grind. And, wow. uh, and he had a bunch of other properties. He had been, a, Global Grind had been around, I think at the time for about three and a half or four years. They were about to get another round of funding. They had gone through some rough patches and they wanted someone to come in to help really define the business, the company, generate revenue and really create an identity for what the brand could be. So um, after about two months going back and forth, um, I decided to take the job. And the only reason why I was a bit apprehensive was because Russell was involved in so many other things. And I thought to myself, is this a real business for him or is this his hobby? Like mm -hmm. how much time is he gonna spend on it? And is it is it a priority? So am I leaving this amazing, you know, business that I'd built at Emmis to kind of take a shot on something that might not have been as important to Russell as, you know, as I thought. And it was the opposite of that. My first day of me walking into work, Russell was like, I work for you now. You tell me what you need. And that's the first wow. time I'd ever been, I'd ever experienced my boss basically saying, hey, I work for you. You tell me what you need to help you kill it and 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 we'll go from there that's a real manager yeah and it that was the start of an amazing relationship that he and i had and um but i have to say it was hard because mm -hmm. global grind wasn't in a place that it should have been at that point so the expectations were very high and there wasn't enough built so it's like i had to break things down to build it back and craft and mold it into what i thought it it could be based on my vision and where I thought the white space was. And within two years, I made the company profitable. And two years after that, we got it to a place where we could sell it and we sold it to Interactive One. And wow. at that point- um, Ooh, Look who seems a little long-winded now. <laughs> <laughs> and, at, and I'm almost done. At that point, um, I said to myself, okay, I don't want to go with this deal. Um, so essentially, I've worked my ass off and now I might be out of a job because I got this company to a place where we could actually sell it. And I said that to Russell and he was like, okay, I hear you, you're right, what do you want to do? And that's when I came back to him a few days later and said, I want to launch a creative and technology agency that is really focused on redefining the rules of storytelling, leveraging culture and technology, and showing brands how they can reimagine how they tell stories. And also while we're at it, developing IP. Um, and Russell liked the sounds of that, and essentially he gave me the seed capital to launch Narrative. So he gave me the opportunity to become an entrepreneur in 2013. And that's when we launched Narrative and amassed a great portfolio of clients like Under Armour, Samsung, JCPenney, Showtime, Universal Pictures, a lot of startups. We worked with amazing talent like Michael Strahan, Beyonce, Pharrell, 
uh, Sammy Hagar, Adam Levine, Pat Benatar. So it was a great, great um, creative and innovative kind of agency that I built. And we started to win a bunch of awards and get recognized by Can Lions, Cleos, Webbies, Shorties. And that's when we started getting knocks on the door for an acquisition of, of, of the agency. And so about four and a half years in, um, I met Will Packer, the amazing filmmaker who, mm-hmm. you know, girls trip straight out of Compton, ride along. Mm-hmm. He, um, he was about to launch a media company and he wanted narrative to be the first acquisition and to kind of build his portfolio around. And um, a year to the day of when we met, we closed the deal on him acquiring narrative from Russell and I. So, um, and so it was an amazing ride and, and you know, it's just such an amazing feeling to build a business, start something, get it to a point where someone else finds it valuable that they want to buy it from you. Um, that's probably one of the most gratifying experiences and feelings I've ever I've ever had. Wow, boss moves. <laughs> no, what are, what are y'all what are y'all signs? Oh, Pisces. Pisces, March eighteenth. Oh, oh love it. My mom's a Pisces. Ah. Okay. Well, <laughs> I sorry I had to ask. Knew that Chelsea's going to ask if it's a try to see if you guys were Capricorns, and you're not. Yeah, so. you guys sound like Capricorns. <laughs> yeah. Are you are you Capricorn? I'm a Capricorn. Okay. You like and you guys sound like me. <laughs> <laughs> no, just like all like. So many things that you said I can relate to, like, you know, taking that jump and maybe taking a, a position that maybe you don't feel, you know, having imposter syndrome, you don't necessarily feel like you're ready for, Yep. but it's baptism by fire, you're thrown into it. Um, the career change was super, like so many things you all said, so... Mm-hmm. I know. I was like, thanks for sharing. Notes. I was like, okay, wait, we got to come back to this. <laughs> <laughs> With all that being said, um, something that I love is that you guys called this book um, a remixed rule book for badass boss ladies. And you both keep saying like you double down, you double down. So can you kind of explain to the listeners exactly what it means to double down? Yes. So doubling down is basically surveying your creative and professional landscape finding an opening where you feel like you have a calculable advantage and then going all in. So it's basically going all in on the edge that you've got. And it's a muscle that once you start doing that and you use it, it becomes easier and easier to do it in second nature. And I think that essentially is what we've been able to do. We've been doubling down since high school when we were slinging guest sweatshirts to our high school friends and selling <laughs> selling them for a profit. Um, so it's really just banking on what you have and taking a big bet on yourself. So Brooklyn too. Brooklyn makes hustlers, I swear. That's right. <laughs> Where Brooklyn at? We're here. <laughs> wait, wait, no, wait, both wait, of you, wait, wait, both of you guys are from Brooklyn? Brooklyn? Yeah. Stop. Oh, oh yes. we didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we love you guys even more now. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was like, oh my goodness, I just feel so, can I be the third, the triplet? Yes, <laughs> for and, sure. And where are your families from? I was about to say, because I know you guys are of Jamaican descent, yeah. so I'm just yeah. like, and Caribbean. Oh, and wow. It's like, bop, 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 bop. <laughs> I'm, I'm Trinidadian, and Shade's Grenadian. Yes! 
Wait, we have the Caribbean massive. Yes. yes. We really do. We really, really do. Uh-oh, maybe Glenn wasn't meant to be on this. No, she oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Glenn's not in our massive, huh? No Caribbean. She's, but she, she, she's, she's by way of Brooklyn, she, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. She's okay. an association. Okay, so it's, okay. It's okay, she gets, she gets some credit. She gets some credit. Yes. Yes. She went to a few, a few carnivals in her day. Okay, okay. All right. <laughs> so she's honorary. <laughs> that was going to be actually my next question. And Chelsea, sorry if I'm... I'm over here dominating no but go. it's just like flowing so perfectly I just am curious like how did Brooklyn and your upbringing shape so much of like who you are in that inner hustler I, I think a lot like we always used to say because we grew up in Ditmas Park and so it was like to the right of us it was people that looked like us and you know we were steps away from Flatbush but then to the left, it was a Hasidic Jew. Flatbush. Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so a Hasidic Jewish community. So and we were exposed to so many different cultures and people and things. And our mom really kind of made it her business to make sure that we didn't just kind of live and breathe the neighborhood. So we went to high school in Bensonhurst. We went to a Jewish camp when we were growing up. She always put us in in situations where we were uncomfortable and we were the other or we were one of, you know, like or the only. And we would always say to her when we would come home, like, Mom, why are we the only ones? And she was like, you guys can handle it. And I think because she knew we had each other, she knew she could kind of throw us out to the wolves. But one thing that we experienced from that was when we went, when we would come home from uh, camp, we would tell our neighborhood kids about everything we learned about playing jacks and um, hacky sack, doing lanyards and that's so funny. So and then we would tell our camp kids about beef patties and cocoa bread and <laughs> and like gold caps and you know how 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 that works and where you get it. So we kind of felt like Christopher Columbus. We would go off on our missions of exploration and then come back and bring these artifacts and information back to our respective groups. So it was a big remix culture that mm-hmm. um, that we that we were exposed to living in Brooklyn. And, you know, I think that's why we we say growing up on hip hop also um, influenced a lot of what we did because of that kind of hustle and remix mentality um, that has really, I think, right now it has a huge, huge oh, imprint sure. uh, on our lives. And I also think our family being immigrants and coming to this country for a better life, not only for themselves, but for us, their children. So our mom was a hustler. Our, we were raised by a single mom and she worked super hard to make sure we were able to get everything that we needed. We, Trisha and I joke with her, we call her audacity and heels. Like you better not mess with her. She's on a mission and whatever she wants is going to happen. We also used to call her the Swiss army knife. Well, we still do. And she just always found a way to solve every problem. We never saw her sweat. No matter what obstacle came in front of her, she was able to jump over that shit. So we felt that type of 
energy and that muscle in us started growing and we picked up so many things from her and our aunt Monica she was um, not only an entrepreneur, but she owned her own construction company. So she was the first example of a boss lady before we even knew what a boss lady was. So we saw this hustle in all these amazing, strong women who raised us. And we also say we were raised by committee because our mom is one of eight and she's the youngest. So our grandmother was up in our business telling us what to do. Our Mm -hmm. aunts were telling us everything. They were on three-way calls saying, well, the girls want to do this. Can they do that? So everything had to go through everyone. But (laughs) we were annoyed as children when that was happening. But now when we were writing the book, in hindsight, we learned so many things from each of our aunts. They were were these amazing archetypes of women that... Mm you know, inspired us in so many different ways. Our Aunt Leonie was the homemaker and, and the always, caregiver. Yeah, picked out the perfect gifts for everyone during the holidays. Our Aunt Norma was the very proper one and she was all about manners. And if we didn't say please and thank you and all those other things, she would scold us and call us out on our shit. So all those things that we grew up with, we then took those and made them similar traits to what we who we are now so brooklyn our family our jamaican culture our family was also very 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 focused on making sure they kept that alive Mm -hmm. so we're super tuned into that and there's so many holidays that we have all these jamaican traditions and You know, recently we went back to Jamaica um, in July, Trish, was it? It seems like so far long away. (laughs) Um, And it was a moment for Trish and I just to take some time to go back to where our family was from and be thankful for everything we have and, you know, where we're going. Um, So it was a real full circle moment for us. And our grandmother, we dedicated our book to our grandmother and she was everything to us. She was the first person to believe that we could do, make us believe that we could do anything. Yeah, she made us feel like superheroes. Yeah, um, so if she was here today, she passed uh, two over two years ago. She, well, she's probably dancing and stomping up no. there in heaven. She's probably, do, she's probably doing the bogle. Exactly. <laughs> the, <laughs> the butterfly. Exactly. <laughs> um, you said a, a whole lot of things that made me think of so many things. Things. Antoinette, earlier mm-hmm. you um, mentioned Sue Simmons, who mm-hmm. like was a you know a, a representation for you, and later on you actually ended up working with her. Mm-hmm. And Trisha, you mentioned Russell Simmons, and you know your aunts and your mom, and how they were representation for you, and and probably mentors. How important is you know mentorship in your life, and you know in general? I think mentorship uh, has been huge for us, uh, and I think it's because we look at seeking out more so gurus than mentors because we think mentors help you with a certain situation or at a certain point in your life, and usually people seek out mentors that are in a similar profession or in a place where they want to be. And the way we look at it as if you seek out gurus, those are just knowledgeable people that have passions, interests, and a level of expertise in a lot of different areas, mm. they help you see the horizon and you know, really give, help you take a step back and be a little bit more strategic. Um, so I think we've really built 
our kind of mentor type system on seeking out gurus and also connecting with people based on passions and not professions. And also when you meet these gurus, you think, what could I offer them, right? They've accomplished this or they know this or they've been exposed to that. And you really think to yourself, can I add value to this exchange and the relationship? And that's what we're, we always think of when we meet these gurus. It's like, mm. what do we think we could bring to the table so that there's an even value exchange? Because I think so often when people seek out, you know, what we're talking about mentors, they think, oh, I need this person to help me with this. And I need this person to make this call or, or this person to help me get this job where it's why wouldn't you do research about what that person is about and, and what they care about and bring something to the table so that you guys connect mm-hmm. at, on a in a natural point so that also connectivity scales and it adds a level of longevity so those people are in your lives for much longer and, and have that impact. It's like more of an exchange. Exactly. exactly. Because everyone can learn from you know everyone. So that's a really important point. Um, so I see that there are eight principles that you all speak of, of your, in regards to like your path to success. I love this quote too, to Emmy awards and corner offices. Okay. <laughs> Light flex. Um, so what are some of those principles? And do you think that like one is the most important or like if you had to choose one, which would it be? I think because we like to do things in twos, we'll choose two. Perfect. Um, I think the two for us would be because if it all boils down to how you can achieve success, success comes with, you know, you need to have strength to really deliver against a high level of success. So to be able to do that, you need to identify your superpowers. And that's one of our principles. It's don't emulate, originate. And the only way you're able to do that is by really honing in and and identifying what you think you're good at, what you feel passionate about, and when you're doing that thing, does it make you feel magical? And do people know you for it? So it's like when people think of you, what do they think you deliver? What do they think your value is? You kind of take all of those insights and that helps you come up with what your superpower is. Once you have that superpower, it's figuring out how to use it and where to activate it. And we think you do that in the white space. And the white space essentially is a place of opportunity where you can, sorry guys, I hear um, on my laptop, I'm getting some messages. Um, Basically in the white space, it's where you feel you can, you have an opportunity and you have an area or a path where you can kind of go in and redefine something or create something new from scratch. And you do that by really activating and unleashing your superpowers in that white space. And Antoinette did it when she moved from, you know, producing to branded entertainment. I did it when I launched a creative agency, never having worked ever at an agency, but seeing that there was a white space of people not leaning into coding culture as a way to really develop stories for brands. Um, and then I think the final piece, which now I'm li- I lied, it's three, it's playing it's the fine. long game. We love it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's playing the long game. So knowing what your future prize is and doubling down on that and not 
letting yourself get sidetracked by failures and even some of the small wins, knowing that you have that North Star that you're trying to get to. Mm. So I guess the, I also have a question. Um, in the book, you all share stories of other boss ladies like Carly Kushney and Aisha Curry. Mm -hmm. um, could you share a little bit of some of the lessons that you all learned from these ladies? Yeah, um, with Aisha, she's a good friend of ours too. I think what really s makes her stand out to us is the fact that she took something that she was really passionate about and turned, made it her profession. And obviously you guys know that's cooking. Um, also, she could have been, been very happy just being Steph Curry's wife because he's a superstar and, you know, she basically um, is part of that. There's a halo effect with that. Mm -hmm. But she really strived to establish her own identity and double down on what her dreams were. So she basically was really able to share stories and insights around going, being passionate, going for what you believe in, but then also being grounded and striking a balance and having your core be intact. And her core is her family and the fuel that they provide to help her want to be her best self. And wow. that's basically so the true definition of a boss lady. Like she's the epitome of that. Yeah. And I think a lot of young people think, oh, well, you ha if, in order to be a boss lady, you have to be a CEO or an entrepreneur. And one of the reasons why we wrote this book is to explain to the next generation of boss ladies that everyone can be a boss lady. It's, you know, a mode of being. It's your essence. It doesn't have to be, you know, based on a specific set of rules and what the status quo tells us. This is your path and this is how you have to go about getting there. It's about setting your own path. And Trisha and I are both examples that we've been able to set out two separate paths and find success on our own terms. And now you guys get to work on this amazing book together. Yes. So like, wow, that's so incredible. I'm feeling very inspired. Like, it's interesting to have this conversation with you all. Surprisingly enough, today is actually my last day at the company that I've been with for my whole career. And wow. I'm taking wow. a leap of faith <laughs> going to a whole new venture. So I'm like, oh my God, I was like freaking out. So this was like such a weird way that the stars aligned and we spoke on this day. And we, yeah, I know so we had of, a lot of reschedules. You know the yeah, universe is very intentional, crazy. girl. Yeah. So maybe you needed just a little extra push and <laughs> the twins came to double down on you. No, you really did because like, I was just talking to people and I was like, oh my gosh, guys, like this is kind of crazy. I'm really scared. And here you both are like, well, yeah, so I did this. But then I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this. Yeah. And, like, and I'm like, wow, literally what I'm getting into as we speak. But and you know what? I'm fear like, is okay. We all feel fear and it all goes away because we all get past it. Mm -hmm. So just know that there's light at the end of the tunnel. And you, Trisha and I joke and we compare fear to having a hangover. Like you feel like you're paralyzed and you can't do anything and you don't want to get off the couch and you're hangry and, you know, everything irritates you. But you know what? You remedy that situation and you get back on your feet and that hangover goes away. That's the same that will happen with your fear. Yeah. Yes. And, and I think, too, yeah. it sounds like um, when you make those big leaps and changes, you get one step closer from being to being legendary versus temporary. Mm. And that's a big thing that we focus on it's you don't want 
you, you don't want the greatness to just be a blip. So you have to constantly kind of change and pivot and innovate and reimagine. And that's how you make impact. And I think Absolutely. that's really how um, we've, we've laid out our path because it's almost like we get restless. We love change. So we like to kind of play in that white space because then you basically can help carve out the road that you want to take. When you stay in a place that where the status quo is dictating what you do, you have to play by their rules and who wants to do that? So you're better off being in the white space because then you make your own rules. Yes, Trisha. Yeah, I'm wow. like, <laughs> uh, did you, have you done a TED Talk before? No, no, we haven't. Okay, we that's were, up next. Right? Yes, We yes. would say we want to be the first duo to do a TED <gasps> Let's put that out into the universe. Right? Yes, let's yes. manifest it. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, Renee Brown, who? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, like, Chelsea, I'm sure you can, like, piggyback oh my God, on yes. this. But it's just been so crazy because, like, we both – all of us have like our nine to fives like chelsea works with adidas glenn is a whole teacher with the youth and then we have the podcast and we're just like what is happening like it's yeah. all so crazy and then when we get to speak to really inspiring women like you guys were like okay this is why we like have those sleepless nights and we grind and we like mm -hmm. figure it all out because it's all a part of like you guys said like you know we found the white space and we're building towards like this empire we intend to grow yeah exactly. yeah you got we love that's why when um when we heard about you guys we love the platform that you're building and um that's how you guys have to think about it like you're putting back into the world what you guys hope to get out of it as well and mm -hmm. i think um it's an amazing thing what you guys are doing and you guys are funny entertaining so it was a no-brainer um when our team said, hey, we want you guys to do this podcast, and we looked you guys up, we were like, that's cool. We'll definitely do it. Oh, my God. Well, thank you. This, <laughs> yeah, this is a, was a very feel-good episode on a Friday. I know. I'm like, I know yes, let's go. Let's do this. It's not going to air on a Friday, but um, <laughs> listeners, we recorded this on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you all are probably familiar, if you're not, with our What Would You Do um, portion of the episode. And the what would you do is listener letters or DMs or anything um, that folks are just asking us our opinions. And we're really, really lucky because someone actually heard that we were going to be speaking with you. They must have seen it like on our Instagram. Mm -hmm. So I'll read you the note because I'm so excited about this. Okay. So um, she says, hey, BGT, I'm a huge fan and heard you be speaking with Antoinette and Trisha Clark. So I hope you pick my what would you do for that episode. Fingers crossed. Uncross them, girl. Yeah, we got you, girl. <laughs> I have been with my company for the past six years, straight out of college, and grew so much here with amazing, knowledgeable, and inspiring people. I could see myself staying here and envision myself in the C-suite, but we recently hired a VP I am not crazy about. Q, <laughs> Q subtle microaggressions about my hair and nails. Oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh -oh. <laughs> and I don't feel the company direction is as strong as it used to be. I was reached out to on LinkedIn about another amazing opportunity, but this would be a huge leap of faith. We literally just talked about this. Should I just go for it or ride it out here and make my C-suite dreams a reality? Sincerely, a confused black girl in corporate. Aw, I love oh my this. God. So is something happening in the moon that we're I all know. doing? 
and I think we're all there. There must be. I wonder if there's a big shift. I wonder if we're. Are we in retrograde right now? Right. <laughs> Mercury's always dancing up there. I know, right? <laughs> but I think for her, what what was her name? Did she give her name? We didn't get a name. We just got confused black girl in corporate. Okay. We can we can give her a name. It's like dear. It's like dear confused black girl. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think. It really depends. Obviously, she's clear on what her North Star is, and that's she wants to become a CEO. And she probably thinks staying in her existing environment gives her the fast track because she's laid roots down and she's probably on mm. that trajectory. But if she doesn't believe in the leadership and the direction of that company, she's not going to be the best version of herself if she does get that position. So is she really living her truth and purpose? So she might have the title, but she's not going to be able to deliver the impact, I think, if, if she's not, if she doesn't believe in the company. And, and I, oh, go ahead, finish first. And I think if there's a new opportunity on the horizon, it's about doing the due diligence to figure out if she thinks she can achieve what she wants and be the CEO or be in the C-suite in the way she wants to be at that new company, because that's a big part of it. You can have a title anywhere, but it's about being at the right place where you can make impact and you feel fulfilled in the work that you're doing. So it sounds like she might not, be, I'm not saying she has to jump at this new opportunity because she probably needs to dig a little deeper and maybe survey and see what else is out there. But I don't, I think it would be a good idea if she's not kind of in line with the changes and the shifts in her existing company, where she should now start exploring and finding like what her next thing should be. And sometimes when you're at a company for too long, you get stuck, they get stuck, mm -hmm. everyone feels stuck. So once you make that big leap, that can still get her to the C-suite. She may have a different path to get there and she may be going in a zigzag formation, but that's still fine. And she may land somewhere that she doesn't love, but maybe that will lead to another opportunity. You know, we're big believers in one door opens another door and another door and the universe puts us in these positions for us to learn and flex our muscles. And mm -hmm. eventually what's meant to be is going to be for us. Yeah, I agree. And it's so funny because, I mean, I totally agree with all of your advice, but I remember when we were younger and I was deciding on a job, Sade actually told me, like, if it's not building up your toolkit, you know, try just try to focus on building up a toolkit. And, like, I guess that meant, Sade, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, building up all these as many new skill sets as you can, like learning things, growing, like making yourself the most like exciting candidate because you are so skilled. And what I feel like when brain? you stay in one place at a certain point, you probably stop learning or stop learning at a certain rate. So like switching it up sometimes, do it. Mm -hmm. Oh, 100%. Agree. Yeah, couldn't agree Chelsea, more. Chelsea, you literally Look at said you dropping the gems. Exactly, right? Yes. On a Friday. On a yes. Friday. Mm -hmm. On a Friday. I completely agree with what everyone said. And, like, I feel as though, especially now, like, maybe our parents were more of a 
a mindset of kind of like staying in a certain place like whenever I would tell my parents because I I live on LinkedIn so I've always like explored outside opportunities but I never like found the one until this one came along Mm -hmm. but I would entertain different interviews just to like keep flexing that muscle and just see what was out there and my parents were like what are you doing why are you gonna leave there all this stuff and I was just like I gotta expand and here I am and I'm like wow I'm just gonna take the jump and and see what happens Mm -hmm. yeah I love that and you should do that yeah well ladies well listener I hope that helped a little bit you know good luck corporate Uh, black girl and also shut down those microaggressions don't have her talking about your hair and your nails exactly Exactly. do you girl keep doing it (laughs) um I also wanted to just say in case you all didn't know the name of our we usually have a small segment where we celebrate women that we that are aspirational that make us proud and today um our black girls excuse my french black girls doing shit um are speaking to us right now (laughs) (laughs) and trisha clark stone thank you so much for coming on and talking and dropping those gems well thank you guys for for having us gems on gems on gems like i'm ready to go like run or do something like i'm feeling really like excited (laughs) i know and i I think that's why your platform is so important that that's what you guys are doing is probably a similar reason to why we wrote the book it's Mm -hmm. to democratize success for people that look like us and to change the operating system um you know and you guys do that with your podcast we're trying to do that with our book so we're, we were happy we were able to collaborate and chat with you guys. This yes, was and can, amazing. Yeah, can you tell our listeners where they can get um, your book, Double Down, Bet on Yourself and Succeed on Your Terms? Yes, you can get it everywhere books are sold September 10th. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, your, your local, local bookstore, book which we would <laughs> encourage everyone to do. Go to your local bookstore. If you don't yes. see us on the bookshelf, ask them why we're not there and order the book. Mm. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to read because we're, what, mid-20ers? So mid... Well, well what? Before you leave, yeah. who, is, who is your audience for this book? It's... Uh, so it's the next generation of boss ladies. So from a demographic standpoint, I would say it's 1920 to 45 you know, 45, 50 year olds, essentially it's anyone that is starting out in their career, looking to make a pivot or wondering why they're not further along. So that spans a wide demographic. It's really about a mindset and where you are in your life at that time. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, Where can our listeners find you on social media if they want to follow up? So on Instagram and Twitter, this is Trisha. I'm Trisha002. Get it? Like 007. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Sometimes her cornball is shit comes through. Um, and uh, this is Antoinette, and I'm net n e t t e underscore Clark C L A R K E. Amazing. And guys, Love we it. have to do a Brooklyn day. Yes. Yes. Do you, are you all based in New York? Yeah, well, I split. I'm bicoastal. This is Antoinette, so I do two weeks in New York, two weeks in LA. Okay, oh so God. when we're all yes. here, we definitely need to meet up. Yeah, yes, definitely. for sure, cool. definitely. Let's do it. Yes. yes, can't wait. Thank you, ladies, so so. You're much. welcome. Thank you, I guys. Guys, are gonna love this one.
Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.